Romans chapter 1. Warren Wearsby was the uh, pastor in, in Chicago for many years. He actually pastored the church that years and years and years and years ago, a man named Dwight L. Moody started. He, uh, he had this illustration when he was in high school. Um, he said he was chosen to be what they had called an office monitor. And what that meant is that uh, other uh, hallway monitors in various situations around the building, uh, he, they, he said, but I had the privilege to sit out right, right outside the door of the main high school office and was entrusted with important messages to be delivered to different teachers and staff members, and on occasion, even uh, to another school. He said, believe me, it was fun to walk into a classroom, even to interrupt a lesson. No teacher would ever scold me, because they knew I was carrying a message from the principal. I never had to be ashamed, because I knew where my message was coming from. He says, you know what? He could barge into his classroom. Now, I don't know about you, but I barged into classrooms, but not necessarily with messages from principals, mostly because I had been oversleeping or something. And I would get in trouble. He said, I didn't have to be ashamed. In the text we're going to look at, Paul writes and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he understood something about that message. I want to look with you at not ashamed this morning. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, just going on through verse 17. He writes, he says, I'm so eager to come to you in Rome to, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This accomplished from the start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is, though, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. I want to tell you firstly, of people ashamed of Jesus. This is fascinating to me because uh, the, the gospel is the power of God, yet the world tries to make us ashamed. There was recently in one of the high schools in the United States, a young girl, she was on the volleyball team, and a boy wanted to join the girls volleyball team and so she said she he also sham also wanted to change in the girls locker room and this young girl made a stand she mentioned in her french class that she didn't think that was right her father actually worked for the same school district as the soccer coach in the junior high school and stood with his daughter and said, no, that isn't right. So they fired the father. 
And they're telling the young girl that she's going to have to basically go to a re-education camp. And so now this has gone to court. But the basic understanding of that whole principle, she wrote a whole essay on it on, uh, and you can find that on Fox News if you're interested. Not right now, you can read it later. But, but what's very interesting is that she makes a stand for right, which goes against everything that our generation tells us. You should be able to express yourself. That you shouldn't have, you know, feel that other people shouldn't put you down for what you believe. But yet they'll put down when you stand for right, especially if you're a Christian. This is a mark of our day. And the world tries to shame us as we're the weak, we're the foolish, we're the old, we're the ones who don't understand. A young man was converted and tried preaching in the open air. He could not preach very well, but he did the best he could. Someone interrupted him and said, young man, you cannot preach. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. The young man said, I am, but I am not ashamed of my Lord. We're in a struggle. There's a struggle going on right now. Light and darkness good and evil. This is not going to be fought at ballot boxes. This is not going to be fought on social media. This is not going to be fought and won in in any other place than in prayer and making a stand for Christ. It was the Irish politician that said, all evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Jesus put it this way, John three nineteen through 21, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light, for their actions were evil. All those who hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do right come to the light so that others can see what is going on and what God Wants the world would rather de- just turn a blind eye to their sin. I have a personal belief that many of you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't believe everybody was necessarily into the homosexuality that Sodom was known for, but I believe it became a pass. I won't talk about your sins and you don't talk about mine. Let me give you a little example. Why would a same, somebody who is pro-same-sex couple marriage have to make a stand for abortion? I don't know if you understand this, but a same-sex couple can't get pregnant. Just saying. Right? They can't get pregnant. If you don't understand that, there's a biology course I'm sure you can find and someone to help you, maybe a book that could help you with that and explain that through, right? Okay. So why is abortion an issue for those people? It should be a non-issue. That It doesn't even concern them. But see, people love darkness rather than light. So therefore, they would rather head that way And this is permeating our day. It permeates Hollywood, media, television, 
social media. Up until recently, when Twitter was finally bought by Mr. Musk, you could be kicked off of Twitter by simply quoting scripture. There is an absolute oppression or, or fact that is coming against the church, righteousness, and what is right. And it's designed to shut you up. Now, I don't believe we should stand on street corners and moralize. Some of the issues I just mentioned, it's easy to stay, oh, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. Yeah, but what about your gossip? Right? What about your not paying your tithe? What about your... Oh, it's easy to point out other people's sins is my point. Rather than deal with yours. But the preaching of the gospel is the only hope our humanity, never mind our nation, has. It's the only hope that we have to bring this out. Vince, Vincent's word study said of this word ashamed, it is the feeling expressed by word or reference incurring to dishonor or shame in men's eyes. It is the grief a person uh, conceives from his own imperfections, considered with the relationship to the world, taking notice of them. Grief is upon is a sense of disdain. disdain. They look down on people now who try to make a stand, who are willing to talk about Jesus Christ in a public way when they're not ashamed of the very things that should be shameful. Mark Twain said, man is the only animal that blushes and the only animal that really needs to. I read that to my wife. She said, ah, dogs probably could also do that. But anyway. The strategy of our day is to make Christians feel weak. To make them feel like, oh, we can't proclaim Jesus Christ. We can't make a differentiation of what is right and what is wrong. We can't be the ones who stand and speak out and say, no, this is it. They're trying to silence our voices. Like I said, you, you know, I don't know what Mosque is going to do, but Twitter, which I'm not on. I, I don't have a Facebook account. I don't have an Instagram account. I don't have a Twitter account. I don't care. People don't need to know what I ate for lunch. They just don't. I shared with you recently, someone said, you should take a picture of that and send it to your wife. No. She doesn't care. I don't care. I don't even care what I ate last week. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. Have I had some good meals? Absolutely. You've all tasted my wife's cooking. It's fantastic. But that's not the point. Henry Ward Beecher said these words, the world needs to be cleaned by somebody. If you're not called to be God, uh, if you're not called by God, uh, if you are called by God, you are, if you are not called by God, are you ashamed to scrub? The world needs to be cleaned by somebody. 
You're not called by God, is it because you're ashamed to scrub? You're ashamed to deal with the dirt. The strategy of all of this is to make you and I shut up. To not speak. To not be willing to tell someone about Jesus Christ. To say, hey, you know what your problem is? It's sin. It's not your social standing. It's not your economic case. It's not the the people that have done you wrong. Your problem is your sin. That's the issue you are going to have to deal with. And the driving factor to make us be quiet. Paul, Timothy was dealing with this. Young man, he's a preacher. They're arresting preachers. They're, they're, you know, Rome is beginning to turn against the gospel. And Paul writes to him and he says uh, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Remember, Paul is writing this from prison. He says, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm, uh, I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives me, gives you, are you, uh, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Timothy was ashamed. He was beginning to pull back. Being unwilling to speak out and make a stand for what is right. Paul's in jail. He doesn't like that. Makes two marks. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of your church, your pastor, the whole thing. Jesus said this, Mark chapter 8, verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in this adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father. Here's a warning. That God says, don't be ashamed of me or I'll be ashamed of you. Be ashamed when I come, when the word is put out, when I'll be, when I return, I'll be, I'll turn away from you. Because the problem is we like to be liked. The problem is lots of them. Media has sold lies that we just believe now. We just, we just go, oh yeah, it's, that's just the way it is. Don't you know? Yet when this happens, can we make a stand for Christ? John 15, 18 and 19, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. These are Jesus' words. And the world would love you if you were one of its own, if you belong to it. But because you are no longer part of this world, I have chosen you to come out of this world so it hates you. The gospel will never be popular in the sense of, oh, everybody will love it. Because it confronts sin. Like I said, it's easy to pick it one issue. And say, oh, I'm against this or that. But when you start picking on people's, like, 
the general populations rather than the, the outliers. When you begin to tell people that, you know what, smoking dope will send you to hell just as fast. Those wicked people over there. Yeah, but what about your adultery or pornography? What about that? It's easy to get into them, but what about those? The clash is designed to get you to back off of the gospel so that you don't speak for God and speak up for what is right. And they'll simply call you Jesus freak or whatever. And if that's the case, the gospel not only loses power in the world, it loses power in your life. Verse 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, right after Paul told Timothy not to be ashamed, he says, For God saved us and called us to a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because it was his plan before the beginning of time to show grace through Christ Jesus. Paul says in our text, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, the power of God at work to everyone who believes the Jew first and the Gentile. When you don't make a stand, you lose power in your own life. You lose that. I, I had just gotten saved in 1994. It was July, end of July. I was starting college in September. And uh, I, I just graduated high school. And so I'm going to college. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm a 17-year-old, I turned, 17-year-old kid. I still don't know what I want to do with my life. I, you know, I had a leaning towards being a disc jockey. Wasn't a great reader. So I was going to have to work on that. Uh, you know, New England School of, of Broadcasting in, in uh, Enfield, Connecticut was, was interesting to me. And so I was just, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was going to just the local community college. And in one of my reading courses, our teachers said, okay, you're all new. You know, it's not like high school where y'all went to school together and, you know, since you were six years old. So I want you to stand up and I want you to tell one thing about yourself. And so I'm sitting about in the middle of the class. And so people are getting up and they're saying, you know, hi, my name is Sally and I, I, I'm a quilter. And she'll sit down. And then someone else would stand up and say, one kid stood up and he said, hi, my name is John and I play guitar. And I'm thinking, I could say I play bass. But in the back of my mind, I knew I had to say, I'm a born again Christian. And so when it got to me, I stood up, I was nervous, and my name's Keith, and I'm a born-again Christian. I sat down. The girl behind me, she snickered a little bit, as some of the others did, went on. Through a long, crazy series of events, she ended up getting saved in our church. Wasn't because I witnessed to her. I did witness to her, but she didn't pray with me or anything like that. She actually had another friend hit a crisis moment in her life, came in, got saved. And she said to me later, she said, you know, when you said that, I thought, what's this guy talking about? Now I know. Had I not said anything 
wonder what that would have been like. wonder what that conversation would have been like. See, because when we're ashamed, salvation loses its value for others and then ourselves. And it's easy then to distance yourself from Christianity. At critical moments. Reading a story about 12 women out for lunch. A little hen party. And one of the women said, who here has not cheated on their husband? And one woman raised her hand. Later that day, she turned to her friend and she goes, you've cheated on your husband? She goes, no, I didn't cheat. Never cheated, but I was ashamed. Because I thought they'd look down and the things they were saying about you, I was ashamed to admit she didn't cheat her husband. That's the peer pressure we're seeing in our generation. It stops the gospel from going forward. 2 Timothy 1.12 That's why I'm suffering in prison and I'm not ashamed of it. For I know that the one whom I trust and the one who is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul knew who he believed. He had a confidence in God. He goes on to say in verse 16 of 2 Timothy 1, May the Lord show special kindness to Onethius. For his family, he often visited me and encouraged me. He was never ashamed because of me and my chains. In our day, shame will make you grow cold. I've shared this story, but I, you know, back when my wife and I were young, we had no money. We had horrible cars. Cars I was ashamed of. Cars I don't want to remember. Ever again. I had a teacher that buried a car. Literally, he hated cars. He buried one. He started it up, drove it into a hole, and then threw dirt over it while it was still running. And he said that was a glorious day of his life. And I I can kind of, you know, anyway. Kind of maybe jaded me. I don't know. One of my favorite teachers. But when you're ashamed, you hide it. I didn't want my family to see it. It leaked oil. It it didn't start all the time. If you do that with Christ, it begins to be a problem. In our day, Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. People will get cold towards what is right, what is wrong, the gospel. And I'll tell you, you might have woke up this morning and went, oh, it's only in the 20s. It's cold out. Spiritually speaking, it's been cold for a while. Cold. And it's designed to affect your heart. The other thing we see is God's not pleased. When I come back with my holy angels in Mark chapter 8, For those who are ashamed of me, God's not going, I understand, it's hard out there. I mean, I died naked on the cross for you, but, you know, 
little ridicule from your neighbor, from your coworkers or your neighbors. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I should I should be more lenient towards that. After all, I mean, I only tried to prevent you from going to hell. Why should you try to prevent someone else? You're right. You think God's going to say that on Judgment Day? He's obviously he's not. Let me just tell you something right now. Jesus is not ashamed of you right now. If anyone should be ashamed of associating with anyone, should it be us with Christ or Christ with us? Just saying. Wouldn't it be us that really is kind of the ones that would bring his status down? After all, wasn't he accused of eating with Sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. That the self-righteous mocked him for that. Let's talk about what will keep us from being ashamed in our day. And what we need to revisit from time to time. In our text, Paul gives us this clue. He says in our text, in verse uh, 16, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power that works, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. That it's the power of God. In 1 Corinthians, he makes the statement, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the good news and to deliver uh, and not with the clever, uh, clever speech for the fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But to we who are being saved, it is the very power of God. How God in his plan picked the gospel to reveal his power is a mystery to me and many others. Right, if I was in heaven, it's just me, why would you just communicate this through one broken vessel to another? I mean, he did give us his book so we don't end up with telephone tag, right? Telephone, it's the game where kids would sit in a circle and one would whisper to the other and tell the next and they would tell the next and they would tell the next and they would tell the next, tell the next. And by the time it got to the end, was that the same as what's, what the original person said? And often it wasn't. And that's how people get all twisted in the gospel. So he gave us the Bible to make sure that we don't get that far off base. But in God's plan, he's designed that, that you and I tell others. Now your salvation, especially if you were a backslider, and you knew the gospel, you might have had an experience by yourself in your bedroom or in your car or alone one night, or somewhere you were praying, crying out to God, you drove out to the forest, whatever. You might have had that experience, and there are people who do. But what really is it is someone told you. Someone told you. If God picked preachers, God picked church to be like this. This is kind of strange to me. You would think that God would have, could have done it in a different way, but this is how he chose to do it. The preaching... Of the cross. 
the power of salvation is through preaching, through the understanding of the gospel, we get revelation that we can be delivered. I don't have to live like that. I don't have to live bound with guilt and shame. I don't have to live bound by habits. I don't have to accommodate my life to what others say is right. And then feel really trashy afterwards about it. That God can do a work in my life. And the world calls us weak. Oh, you just need a crutch to get through life. What do you call your marijuana? Prescription drugs, your pornography. What do you call that? Freedom? It is the power of God. It is how you are saved. It is how others get saved. A witness is a miracle. A witness, you know, we walk up to people. I did this yesterday. Walked up to somebody, a complete stranger. I've never seen this man before. I have no idea anything about his history. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. Hi, has anyone ever told you about Jesus Christ? How he can change your life? No. Well, let me tell you. Out of no, you just meet someone somewhere randomly to introduce them to some hope. Because the meds, the porn, the morality, the drugs, the alcohol, they don't give hope. They steal hope. They steal life. They steal dignity. They also steal your finances. Really badly. And we're the foolish ones. We're saved. And others can be too. Barnes, Albert Barnes said of this, he said the world means to completely, uh, I'm sorry, the word saved means to be completely delivered from sin and death. All foes and dangers that beset men. It cannot imply anything less than eternal life. That we're saved. It is the power of God to salvation. So, are you saved? Where is your life? Where's your dignity come from? Car you drive, the amount of money you have in the bank, how many likes you got on Instagram. Colossians 3, 1 through 3, since you've been Raised to a new life with Christ. Set your heights and and realities on heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor of God's right hand. Think about uh, all the things heaven and not of the things of earth. 
For you are died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's why we can have this. He goes on to say that the just we're justified through faith. That it is through faith that you and I experience the good things of, that God has for us. Verse 17, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. Faith in Christ is not a feeling in Christ. Romans 10 verse 11, all scriptures tells us that anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. When you put your trust in Christ, you don't have to be disgraced. You don't have to worry, well, they don't like this or they're saying that or people say this or that. Who cares? Who cares? Let me bring some of you back. Some of you are not there yet. But let me bring you back to high school. Remember your high school? Be honest. How many of you who have graduated high school would want to do it again? Raise your hand. Right. Most of us would never. No thank you. Not... No, only to do it again would be to be saved and pay attention to the things I missed. Instead of learning about the things I shouldn't have learned about, I should have paid attention to the things I missed. And, you know, it's like that old saying. It's times like this, I wish I had listened to my mother. What did she say? I don't know, I wasn't listening, right? Right? I don't know what I missed in high school, but I missed, I did definitely miss a lot. Sitting in geometry class and across from a friend of mine, and all we would think would come up with band names the whole class. Like, I know I missed something I should have been paying attention to because I had to have someone else take my test. So, you know, that kind of thing. But we were so worried in high school about what others thought. The social, the peer, where'd you fit in? Were you in the cast? What, what, what group did you fit into? Were you the stoners or the drama queens and kings of the soap opera crowd? Or were you the jocks? Or were you this or that? And what crowd did you fit in, right? And did you fit in? Were you an outcast? Were you the alone? Were you part of the loser? Were you part of the nerds? Were you part of this, whatever? You know, all of these Get out of high school for five years. And what did it matter? Nothing. We were so worried. I mean, it was our life. My life is over. Every high school student says that. At least once. Usually with tears. Right? You don't know what they said. You know what they did. I don't even know where they are. I do know a couple are dead, and I think one or two are in prison. But other than that, I really don't know where most of them are. And I don't care. They're not part of my life anymore. I'm not part of their life anymore. But we dress to impress. You know the definition of a credit card? 
You buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. And that's true a lot of the time. Paul is bringing out the reality of eternity. Oh, people might not like, oh, you said some hard things. Oh, yeah. I usually don't. I'm not a very deal with a lot of these kinds of issues kind of preacher. But I do sense in our day the shame of the gospel. Making a stand, telling your co-workers, telling your friends, telling your neighbors, telling random strangers on the street or in yesterday in the mall. Making it clear to people the message that Jesus Christ saves, sets free and delivers. And in our day, and as we are more and more called all sorts of names, all sorts of stereotypes, and oh, you're this, and you're that, and you're, you know, you don't understand, and you're closed-minded, you're old, you're ways, and da-da-da. It is the power of God. It is not to be ashamed of. Jesus Christ died publicly and openly for you. He wants you to make a stand for him. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you've come this morning and you're not right with God. You can play a religious game. You can be, I, I came to church, I, you know, I fell back to my religion. Oh, hey, well, I was, I'm a good Catholic. Well, yeah, I hadn't been to Catholic church in forever. And if sinning and doing my own thing, chasing this and that, man, I was a good Catholic, then I guess I was a good Catholic. But I don't think that's exactly what God wanted for my life. I was confronted with the message that Jesus Christ, is King of kings, Lord of lords, died for my sins, and that I had to deal with myself. But he was, the promises he would give me the power that I could now be different. I could now be changed. I could now experience His love, His mercy, His grace. And when He touched my life and changed me, and this is going back 38 years, God did a miracle for me and that's what God had done for Paul. And that's why he says, I can't be ashamed. I'm going to do and tell others that God can do for you what he's done for me. If you'll simply surrender your life and let Jesus touch you. You're here this morning. You're not right with God. You want to pray. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, you know what? That's me. I'm not right with God. I want to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Very quickly, step up your hand. Pray a simple prayer. You're backslidden. You're away from God. Maybe you were ashamed and now you've gotten yourself involved in some sin. 
You want to come back to Jesus? Very quickly, slip up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of to say, you know what? I screwed up. I need God to help me. I need God to forgive me. Slip up your hand very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. The strategy in our day, this is not political. This is social, but it more importantly, it's spiritual. And it is designed to get you and I to shut up. If we don't tell people the house is on fire, and unless you get out, you're going to die. Or as Noah said, get on the ark, you're going to drown. And they laughed and mocked and scorned him and said, you're wrong, old man. You don't know what's going on. Until the day God shut the door and it was too late for them. It is the power of God to salvation. Don't be ashamed. If you have gotten to the point where you're ashamed, you're ashamed to say to someone, Jesus can change your life. You're ashamed to tell someone what God could do for them. Then you need to find a place at the altar. This, Not at your chair, at the altar. Go on public record in your heart. Say, I'm going to let God help me. I don't want to live ashamed of what God is doing. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars. Allow people to find a place to pray. Let's worship his name. Give him praise. this holy place and seek you in this whole 
Let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you. God, you really do care. Lord, we love you.